0: This Cap Times podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation, the makers of Colaguard. Learn more at exactsciences.com.
1: A lot of the parents have been the ones to send me the photos of their kids making the food, and they are just really grateful that students have something to do during this time mm-hmm. um, and that they're engaged in what they're learning.
2: Hello, I'm Lindsay Christians,
0: and I'm Chris Lay, and this is The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by The Capital Times. We're like a dinner party, but a socially distanced one.
2: We've all been cooking a lot more since this pandemic thing started. And if you've ever watched one of those Instagram cooking videos and thought, dude, I could totally do that. We have got the guest for you.
0: We're talking this week to Mel Zastro, the star and producer of Mel Cooks on YouTube. Mel teaches 6th to 8th graders over at MG21, a K-8 liberal arts charter school in Monona.
2: When her school started virtual teaching a few months ago, Mel turned what was supposed to be a hands-on course into an online cooking class. I love it so much. Come to find out how to make pizza and stay for the accordion interludes.
0: Roll out that barrel and give a listen.
2: Thank you so much for joining us, Mel. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So first of all, I was curious, what was the inspiration for this series?
1: Well, I had started planning out a course for my students before school shut down, and I am teaching that course right now. It's called You Are What You Eat. So the shutdown happened the week before the course began, and I was trying to figure out how to make the course relevant for students at home because my goal was to help students engage in what they were doing and make it more part of their reality while also giving them information that they need to know. So I meet with um, my team every week to talk about curriculum, and I showed them what I was thinking about doing. And part of it was asking students to look up recipes that they could make if they chose to. Mm -hmm. And a couple of my team members, Julie and Paul, kind of looked at me and they said, well, what if students don't know how to follow a recipe? Maybe you should make a video to show them how to break down a recipe. And so the next week I made the video on the lemon pound cake. Mm -hmm. um, And that's kind of just where all of these videos were born. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first episode of Mel Cooks. Today I'll be making lemon pound cake. You will learn the principle of mise-en-place and the techniques of zesting, grating, and glazing.
0: So the lemon pound cake was the first one that you recorded?
1: It was the first one. I pulled the students in my class. I have 10 students. I have half of the students in the middle school in the class. And I pulled them to ask, if you could master any recipe, which one would it be? And... Each of the videos in Mel Cooks is based on one of those recipes. So one student said lemon pound cake, and hmm. I just went with it.
0: <laughs> was there any any follow-up? I'm intrigued because, I mean, obviously, even at that young an age, food has narratives attached to it. Like, is is the, the student who requested lemon pound cake, Is do you know if that's something that, you know, their parents made or grandparents or maybe something they had at a restaurant that they loved? And, I mean, is, is, was there any, um I guess, longer dive into into what it was that inspired these kids to request these things?
1: You know, I didn't ask them at the time. We did focus for a week on traditions, and I asked them to kind of do some research on an important
2: family dish, but none of those things came back up. So hmm. I should definitely ask them. Yeah, I love that it wasn't necessarily like, hey, I, Mel, am really good at making lemon pound cake, so I'm going to start there. It was like, no, this is what a kid asked for, so... I mean, did you already know how to do that fairly easily or was there a learning curve for you? Well, I really love cooking, especially cooking
1: with students. So I feel like I'm really comfortable in the kitchen, but I have to make a major confession right now that I, in each Mel Cooks video, I am making that recipe for the very first time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) That's awesome. That's so much higher stakes. (laughs)
1: it is i've made i mean i've made some of the foods before but not the specific recipes i wanted to share a recipe
2: for each of those things that i thought the students could probably do well and if you're a really confident cook i would imagine that there are things that you do not thinking about it at this point definitely So so in some of the recipes
1: i've um i had some guidance from the people that I work with and meet with on a regular basis who maybe suggested that I should explain some of the words in the recipe or explain what some of the techniques are. Students might not know what it means to fold pancake batter or what it means to chop something rather than slice it. So I tried to make sure to share those things in the videos. And I think that I was, I explained more during the first and second episodes than in the third and fourth Episodes, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it was just a um, more complicated recipe or if I had felt like I just had gotten students to a point where they didn't need me to explain as much in the later ones.
0: Yeah, I, as an adult, still have trouble with folding and mixing and <laughs> all of those, <laughs> all of those words that are in there. And like, what's a, you know, is it, what's a, a fine dice versus just, you know, a coarse dice? Like, what's the, it's a hard, hard line to walk sometimes.
2: I keep thinking of Shit's Creek when David is folding in the cheese and he, they keep just yelling, fold it in, fold it in. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, like folding a book? Like, what? What are you talking about? But I, I love that you like dove right in in the very first like episode to like mise en place. Like this is French and you're going to learn it right now because it. and that was the thing that my mom taught me, too, which is assemble your ingredients, mm-hmm. assemble your ingredients.
1: I worked with a really talented family consumer science teacher when I was at Jefferson Middle School named Lisa, and she started off all of her FCS classes by talking about Mies and Plus. So she's the one that inspired me to
2: start with that. That is wonderful. What's the biggest challenge with making the videos? I guess it's just editing. It takes a long time,
1: and it's not something that I'm quite as good at yet, although I'm getting better at it. so. Yeah, figuring that out has been um a learning curve.
0: Was this the first real, you know, video recording and production experience that you've had? Yes. <laughs> it's your first podcast you're on. It's the first uh, you know, videos. I mean, so twenty twenties uh, you know, it's been bad for a lot of people, but you know, it's all it's all all new horizons for you.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm really lucky that my husband is into making videos. He has made a lot of videos before and has helped me set up the camera and get things ready. And I always use his equipment. So Mm -hmm. even though it's my first time doing everything, I do have someone who can share those things with me. I was just going to record it on my phone. (laughs) How long does it take to do a single video? I guess it depends on how long the recipe is. I think you hinted this at this before, Lindsay, that cooking on camera and trying to explain what you're doing is very different than just doing it. So it takes me longer to make recipes than usual because I want to make sure I explain everything. So I, first I find a recipe that would be appropriate and then I look over it and decide what it is that I want to share on the video and teach and say I just make sure that everything's ready beforehand, all of the different measurements and how much I need to use if I'm doubling it or halving the recipe so that I can explain that. And then during the process, so we actually film with just a photo camera because that's what we have, but there's a 30 minute limit on the video. So we just, I need to make sure that I'm not going over that limit because then it stops recording. So I usually stop the recording recording and then start it again if I, if I have a gap in time or if something needs to rest or especially when, you know, something's cooking in the oven. I don't expect anyone to watch that.
0: Yeah. We <laughs> do the fast forward and
1: yeah. The polka music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, the polka music. I love polka. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I love delightful. accordion music. So in each episode, I've tried to find a different um, accordion music that fits in with the recipe. And I was able to do that starting with the second episode. The first episode, I actually edited using Screencastify, and it was the only way I knew how to edit video. But then I discovered iMovie, and you can add audio in there, and you can fast forward. (laughs) And it was during the pizza episode when one of the steps was roll out the dough that I thought of roll out the barrel. (laughs) And voila, the polka
2: fast forward music was born. And mm-hmm. I just love doing that. It's really fun. I've been making a lot of sourdough, as many people have. And mm-hmm. um, a couple weeks ago, I had the dough in my KitchenAid mixer, which you also have a beautiful KitchenAid mixer. And it's <laughs> an amazing tool. And I just like put it on the counter and I put the dough hook in there and I set it to, to rolling. And it rocked itself off the counter no and landed on the floor my kitchen floor and the Kitchen Aid mixer is like basically a Mack truck like it's fine oh yeah but like the a floor little, yeah the floor is very dented the floor was very unhappy <laughs> and my dough for my bread was pretty much fine I think like I baked it and it was okay but I didn't know that it could like move itself <laughs> I, I was reminded of this a little bit when you, you like put a dish in your sink and it broke and you were just like, <laughs> I just broke a dish. <laughs> and then you're like, but it's okay. Cause I have like Gorilla Glue and flex tape or something. <laughs> and and I was like, that's amazing. And it reminded me of like Julia Child, like dropping the chicken and then picking mm-hmm. it back up again. Um, <laughs> do you do all of these in like one take only? I do, but I
1: edit out. Things that aren't necessary to watch, um, I don't know. I thought the breaking of the dish was cool and authentic, so I added in the yeah. Flex Tape comment. Everyone loves Flex Tape commercials, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, next up is just, you, you need to get some sponsorship from Gorilla Glue and Flex Tape. That's the, mm-hmm. that's the next step. And Really Julie monetize a this, of course. Yeah, <laughs> one of the things I was intrigued by What are the things that that you watch that you're using as, you know, points to to kind of emulate, I suppose?
1: I don't think that I am consciously emulating anyone, but I love cooking shows. Some of my favorite cooking shows to watch are Patty Jinich. I love her. And um, I love Lydia's Italy with Lydia Bastianich. I love making her recipes and I have one of her cookbooks too. Everybody loves Julia Child. Of course. <laughs> She's really fun to watch. And uh, I watched her crepe episode a couple of times before making mine.
0: Is that where you got that recipe? Or
1: I'm glad you asked because that's Alton Brown's recipe for crepes. Uh-huh. And I also love watching his shows. And then lastly, Maddie Matheson. I don't know if you've ever seen his cooking oh, shows. Oh, I,
0: but... I have his cookbook. <laughs> He is, yeah, yeah. He, he's
1: awesome.
0: Yeah. They need to have like a whole separate show of him just trying to find a new part of his body that he can get tattooed. So yeah, <laughs> that would be a nice little like YouTube mini thing for him, or maybe not. Maybe that would be horrible. But yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's a real wonderful character.
1: Yeah, he's a favorite in our household and we have his cookbook too.
0: Do you watch any of the, the Bon Appetit
1: shows? I use Bon Appétit recipes sometimes and then I I just watch the video that goes along with it but mm-hmm. that's more of like a source that I use online for finding recipes. Gotcha.
0: You haven't like you haven't been I guess brought into the the cult of the the Bon Appétit test kitchen YouTube videos yet.
1: I have watched the What are the ones called where the chef tries to recreate like Cheetos and Skittles. Oh, that's
0: a uh, gourmet makes with, yes. with Claire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Claire Saffetz is absolutely incredible. And, and Maddie <laughs> Matheson has been on a handful of those episodes as well. Not, not of the, the Claire ones, but there's a show called it's alive where one of the test kitchen guys named Brad and Maddie Matheson actually go to the South and go noodling for catfishes. And it is, oh my God. or I guess, would catfish be the plural and the singular?
2: Uh, anyway. You're, you're the Southern guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm a, I mean, it's, you know, more of an editorial, I guess. Like, anyway. Um, I think yeah, it's a stylistic choice. Yes. Yeah, it's the, the Oxford comma of, of Southern fish.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> wait 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 can we pause just for a second of course Um, yeah so it's about the oxford comma (laughs) (laughs) i wanted to know if um about your stance on the oxford comma both of you
2: (laughs) well journalism is ap style and ap style says no i like i I like an oxford comma when it's for clarity so if it's for clarity Mm -hmm. and it wouldn't be clear otherwise then sure
0: my personal preference is for the Oxford comma, but having written things and had Lindsay edit them and <laughs> other other people edit them and and been called out on it by multiple people, it's mm-hmm. i've it's I've just kind of stopped doing it. I'm always very conscious of it. It's a uh, i don't know like a literal phantom limb if no that doesn't make any sense. um I don't you understand what I'm saying I do. This podcast is brought to you by Exact Sciences. Join the Madison-based team working to lead earlier cancer detection. Visit exactsciences.com to view the company's hundreds of open jobs.
2: So when these kiddos are watching these videos, are they like cooking along with you? Well, at
1: first I was thinking that I could do a cook-along where they all came and we cooked together. But since we're all home all the time, it's easier just to provide the video and have people do it when they'd like. And a lot of students have made things and sent me photos. So a couple of students made the lemon, the lemon pound cake. There were many students that made the pizza. And I just learned today that one student made the crepes for his mother for Mother's Day. Oh, gosh. <laughs> That's awesome.
2: <laughs> I find pizza very intimidating. So I just... I really, I thought it was cool that you chose some kind of ambitious things as part of this. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Pizza is hard to make. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I mean, crepes have a a certain intimidation factor just in the fact that, you know, it's got that little accent mark in in the word itself is, you know, a little, (laughs) you know, daunting in a way. Are there any other, I guess, feedback that you've gotten from parents or from the kids as far as how they've been applying the skills that they're getting?
1: A lot of the parents have been the ones to send me the photos of their kids making the food. And they are just really grateful that students have something to do during this time Mm -hmm. um, and that they're engaged in what they're learning. I think it's it's a good opportunity for them to do some hands-on work because a lot of what we're doing is online right now. And everyone has a lot more screen time than usual. And it's exhausting. So for the third episode, I made macaroni and cheese. And this came from my team again. They had this idea that I could get the food for the students that needed it. Mm -hmm. But we eventually decided to buy the ingredients for the mac and cheese for everyone in the class. So Mm -hmm. I went to pick and save. And I bought the ingredients for mac and cheese for everyone. And then I also picked up their favorite vegetables. And I gave everybody celery and a potato so they could try growing those in the kitchen. Oh. And then I delivered <laughs> I delivered them to their houses so that they could make the macaroni and cheese and then try to grow these vegetables. Um, and some students are still growing the celery and potato. And I think they're going to plant them in their gardens.
2: That's wonderful. I used to love the like the the potato with the toothpicks. did yeah. you, you do that as a kid, Chris? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, even um, now, I mean, I'll still have, you know, garlic that'll sprout, you know, when it's just like hanging out on the counter for too long, which is might as well be me doing exactly what this is.
2: <laughs> unintentional science experience, yeah
0: exactly. Lethargy in action.
2: <laughs> no, I was curious what has been like your pandemic comfort food? like these past 6 8 whatever weeks.
1: Hmm. I'm not sure if I have one comfort food, but I do have a comfort cookbook. So, this might sound cheesy, but my husband got me The New Joy of Cooking for my birthday and I have been really exploring it and just trying to um use what we have in our house to create new recipes from The Joy of
2: Cooking during this time. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Chris noticed that you'd done some international travel, and we were wondering if there were foods that you like to make or even order now that you're back in Madison that remind you of those places.
1: Actually, I'm working right now on a recipe for pan de yuca, which is a street food that I really enjoyed in Ecuador. It's a little roll made of yuca flour, which is also tapioca starch or tapioca flour, and then it has fresh cheese in it. And when you make the batter, you just combine everything and then you make them into these small balls and bake them. And they turn into these really nice cheesy pieces of bread. And people would sell them on the street corners or even like walk onto buses while um, people were traveling and sell these panes de yuca. And it's one of my most favorite snack foods from my time living in Ecuador. So I wanted to try and recreate it.
2: Are there any dipping sauces that go with those? Nope. <laughs> oh, just, just like cheesy bread. I'm into it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. I, I'm hoping to have that recipe ready to go this week. We're just finishing up the course. So, for my final product, I'm making the panda yuca in the video. And a lot of students have chosen for their final product to garden, but there are a couple of students that are also making recipes there's a student making pancake art, there's pizza art, there's macarons, and also scrambled eggs. So I'll get some videos or photos from students in the next week of them making their own recipes.
0: Nice. You mentioned that some of them are doing some farming things and you actually have the bio on the website also mentions that you worked on an organic mushroom farm for a while.
1: I did. I worked in the gardens at River Valley Ranch, which is in Burlington near my parents' house when I came back from Ecuador for a whole summer. And I that's the summer I learned how to garden and I did it working on a farm and it was really beautiful. I also had a chance to harvest mushrooms sometimes and work at a farmers market.
0: What are you um what are you excited about growing right now?
1: I have a Pretty um, intense garden. I'm excited for the strawberries to be ripe. But my favorite thing to grow is celery. I think there's nothing like garden celery. It's crunchier. It's spicy. You can just take off one celery rib. You don't have to harvest the whole thing at once. It's
2: the greatest plant to grow. (laughs) Interesting. That's a great idea. We're we're going to be building a new raised bed because my perennial garden is giving me headaches. So maybe I need to grow some celery. I was gonna grow more edible flowers too, because those are fun,
1: like nasturtium.
2: Nasturtiums. I've got nasturtiums mm-hmm. in. I like bachelor buttons and marigold gems. It's you really can fun. Eat
1: bachelor buttons.
2: You can totally eat bachelor buttons and oh, violas, I did not too. Know that. Yeah, the little like viola, the Johnny Jump Up. Mm-hmm. They don't taste like anything, but they're pretty and they're edible.
1: I didn't. Well, I knew that you could make jelly from them, but they're also a weed. They might take over.
2: Yeah, that's real. That happens.
1: <laughs> I experienced that last year big time. So fair warning.
2: Yeah, yeah. I have, I have violets in my garden where I do not want them to be. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. removing them now. Um, I also accidentally bought banana mint and strawberry mint. What are those? I don't know. I bought them on accident.
0: <laughs> we just have some wild rhubarb out front. Or maybe not wild, <gasps> I guess, but there's, um, yeah, there's, we, I guess, inherited some garden stuff out in front of the house uh, where we're at. And yeah, there's rhubarb and mint. And uh, we don't really do anything with it other than pull some off every now and again and cook with it. And that's, that's about Dude, it. Dude,
2: Chris, I will like make a socially distant visit to your house and take some of your rhubarb if <laughs> sure. you don't want it. Because well, yeah. I definitely want it. It's spring and it's time. You can I gotcha. also
1: just take, Maybe with Chris's permission, you could take part of the root <laughs> because they oh. have really intensive roots and you can take part of the root off from a plant without really hurting it that much. <gasps> and then mm-hmm. I want to do
2: this. Yes. That would be amazing. That's an excellent mm-hmm. idea.
0: I wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, yeah, we didn't do anything. It just It's just there. <laughs> like, I don't know. So yeah, so swing on by.
2: Mel, do you think that you will continue to do this if school returns to something like what it used to be like. I mean, can you see season two, Mel cooks?
1: I hope that I can cook with my students again and work with them at school, but I might need to make a spinoff show called Mel grows.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I know that I'm going to be making this fourth episode, but I'm not sure like what shape it'll take or how it'll continue. And what the future holds for school in the fall either. It's, it's all up in the air.
0: Yeah. Like, like a lot of
2: things (laughs) these days. Thank you so much, Mel. Thank you for, for coming on and for doing this and for taking a chance on us.
1: Yeah. Thank you for interviewing me. And, um, I just wanted to say one more thing. Our school is in Monona. It's called MG 21. And, We are accepting applications now for students entering 6th through 11th grade in the fall. So if you'd like to know more, you can visit mg21.org.
2: Wonderful.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it's been a real pleasure.
1: Thanks. It's been great.
2: This has been The Corner Table, a podcast about food and drink in Madison, Wisconsin, produced by the Capital Times. Our theme music was composed by Patrick Christians. The show is edited by Natalie Yar.
0: Subscribe to the show, if you haven't already, uh, and explore our archives of more than 100 episodes with chefs, bartenders, cookbook authors, and more. If you like The Corner Table, please leave us a review. Uh, Tell a friend. Track us down on Twitter and Instagram. Lindsay and I are both pretty easy to find.
2: This week's Cap Times cover story by Scott Gerard is all about how teachers are adapting to virtual learning. So if you like this episode, give that one a read. Find food and drink news, including our newly renamed Let's Get Takeout feature at CapTimes.com. I am Lindsay Christians, food editor of the Cap Times.
0: And I'm Chris Lay, food eater about town, but mostly at home right now.
2: Our wish for you this week is fresh berries because it feels like summer. Cheers!
0: This podcast has been brought to you by Exact Sciences Corporation the makers of Coligard. Once again, be sure to learn more at exactsciences.com. I don't know why, but Strangers in the Night is always my go-to just killing time in between, like, something. And I just... just... I watch people play The Sims online,
2: so I sometimes, like, will think The Sims music. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's uh, weird. (laughs)